Hey, marketing today has gotten harder. There's so many new platforms. How do you reach the right audience? Fortunately, there's a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak with the right professionals at the right time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Matthew Sweezy. He is the principal of Marketing Insights for Salesforce.com and the author of a fairly new book we're going to talk about today called The Context Marketing Revolution, How to Motivate Buyers in the Age of Infinite Media. So Matthew, thanks for joining me. Hey man, thanks for having me. So how does somebody become the principal of marketing insights for a big company? What's what's like what path led led you to that? Lots of acquisitions. Uh, so I created the thought leadership program at a little startup called Pardot. We were a marketing automation platform. Um, we then were acquired by a larger company, which I then was moved on to the thought leadership team. And then we were acquired by Salesforce, which then I was just transitioned to the thought leadership team. Um, so yeah, so just not really a, a straight path, just more or less aqua hire. I just love love the topic. You you went to school for this, right? <laughs> like we all did, huh? Um, so let's start off with a definition. Context, not content. Some people might misread that. Context, marketing revolution. Maybe give us a definition if you can. Yeah. So in terms of what I'm talking about, context, marketing revolution, it's really understanding that we are operating in a radically new world, which has changed consumer behavior from a foundational level. The games that we think that we're supposed to play to reach them were created for a totally different time and place. Um, and until we understand that we can't just simply iterate, that we have to literally revolutionize the way that we think about marketing, we're not going to be able to break through and motivate them. So that's really what I mean by the context marketing revolution. Yeah. And, and I think anybody who their primary source of revenue are uh, millennials or Gen Z, you know, I think really gets this because, you know, I have kids that are in their late 20s and 30s. And I mean, if, if if you're not doing marketing right, they're they're out of here. You don't even have a chance to talk to them. <laughs> and I think that I think I think if you don't have that as a target market, you should be studying those folks because I think it it will bring this point home. Uh, would you say that's probably a, a good advice? Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are going to make the misconception that just because they're not targeting those people, that these theories and ideas aren't going to apply to them. And I think that's the the biggest misconception, right? I mean, we've done all the data and research. And what we find is there's only a 12% delta between what a millennial and what a baby boomer is going to expect from a brand. And, and that's like specific questions such as how do you feel about giving up data, um, personal data for better loyalty, better experiences, better discounts, only 12% delta between baby boomers and millennials. Yeah. And I, and I think that also what people, uh, neglect to realize is, you know, I hate using this example, but, you know, Amazon, for example, created a lot of behavior that we now all have to participate in as marketers because people start expecting certain things. And I think that's, you know, that's the part that I think is missed on a lot of people is that, you know, in some ways we don't have a choice uh, because it's, you know, it's being dictated for us. And, and really, you know, you know, I'm not the first person to say this by any means, but I know that this is a theory is is a theme in the book is that you know marketing hasn't changed as much as buying has changed, and I and I think that that's the part that I think a lot of people miss is that our response is not like there's new 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 platform or new technique out there. It's like how do we understand what the buyer wants? Right, exactly right. Yes, I mean we're all talking about the same things, right? The buyers changed so much faster than we have. We need to play catch up. And that's the problem is that we just keep trying to iterate on our old idea rather than saying, 
right? Is this even a good thing that we should be thinking about and doing? Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that you talk about, and I mean, I think at least is implied with this context thing is that we have to meet people where they are. And the problem is, of course, is, is their goals, their objectives, their questions change and it's not like a linear path. So, you know, how, how do we understand you, you even go as far as calling it, I think the goal of the moment, uh, you know, how, how do we understand that in the, in the, you know, the course of our kind of marketing to, you know, individuals or to companies? Yeah. So let's break this down in two ways. One is in terms of context from a tactical standpoint, the goal of context marketing is two steps. One is to break through by helping somebody achieve a goal of a moment. And then step two is to then parlay that trust to help guide them to the next step on their journey. Right. So that's the, the, the basis of context marketing. Right. So step one is to say, well, then we need to talk to people to understand what this journey looks like. And that's where most brands are going to need to start and where they really fall down. Right. They fall down in two places. One is they believe they know they are buyer because they have a cardboard cutout in their office with sticky notes on it. And it says this person reads this magazines. This person spends this much time online. That's not who your buyer is, right? Like you really need to have an actual persona of who these people are, what they do. And this is only going to happen if you have conversations with them. You then need to realize that there is a journey and that each persona is going to have a different journey. And you need to know what the major steps are on that journey and what someone is thinking, feeling and doing in each one of those moments. Without that, your marketing is completely flying blind and you're not going to know what moments you should be solving for or how to solve them. I've, I've been saying for a long time that I think that we have, what we have, I think what we have to do is market to behaviors. I mean, and these behaviors are things that I think people want to do. I think we want to find companies that we can trust. We want to have a great experience. Once we have a great experience, we want to just not think about it, go back to them. We want to, you know, we want to evangelize them if they exceed our expectations. Um, and I think a lot of people really miss that. It's almost like we're driving the train, you know, as opposed to giving people what they want. Yeah. And anyone with parents can understand that you can't tell people to do the thing that you want them to do and expect them to do it. Um, and, and that's the silly part of it. That's that's the core foundational idea that I'm trying to get us away from. Right. We believe that we can put a message out in the marketplace and get someone to take action. And like you said, people enjoy buying things. They love to engage with brands. We just need to take a step and say, all right, how do we help you accomplish your goal at the moment? And it doesn't matter where you are. If you follow that basic idea it works, right? Social media. Why is somebody on social media? Let's look at a great case study, right? There's a company and they do two different things on social media. One is they create a comic and they put this comic up every day. The second is they write corporate blog posts and post those blog posts. The, the comics get 60 times the engagement, 60x the engagement because people aren't there to read your corporate blog posts, right? They're there to escape doing work. Hence, that's the context of why those comics work. And and to take that down to a really small business level, you know, I always tell people, bring the baby into the office. You know, as soon as the baby's born, you know, the owner's baby, bring it into the office, take a picture. It will get 10 times the engagement of anything else you could produce. And I, I think that that we uh, you're, you're so true. You're so right. I mean, we want to see culture, you know, as opposed to information. I mean, information is everywhere. It's out there. And, and, and let's 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 riff on that just a second, because people ask me all the time, they're like, should we be doing video? Should Yes, the answer is yes. But before you just start investing in like new forms of content, I just ask yourself the question, what's going to drive more engagement? A meme that a 12-year-old makes that takes 20 seconds that is free or the video that you spend $20,000 producing and putting up? The answer is it probably the 12-year-old's meme is going to get more play on social media than your corporate video. 
right? So like really think about where people are and how you can engage them in those moments and then don't expect it to have to cost a ton, right? Start small, ramp up. Um, but on social media, for sure, like it's, it's all about consistency and frequency. It's not about like how high level production is it? I've, um, I guess I should contextualize this timing wise because you never know when people are going to listen. It's March of 2020, as a lot of people might remember. Hopefully it's a distant memory. <laughs> uh, we were going through a, a significant challenge globally uh, from a, a health challenge. And so I, I'm sure you're getting this question all the time. I mean, we're talking about the goal of moment. I, uh, you know, we used to plan quarterly. I almost feel like we're planning daily right now. I mean, how, you know, when, when the goal of the moment is so fluid and, and, you know, so focused, I mean, how, how does a team respond, you know, to, to that uh, need? And maybe it's just me, but I feel like my clients are, you know, we went through, it's like seven stages, you know, we went through stage one, now we're in stage two and, you know, everything seems to be changing for them. Yeah. And that's the, the reality is it's going to be that way. And the only thing we can do is a couple of basic things. One is make sure we have consistent and open communication with all of our stakeholders, right? That means your partners, your vendors, your customers. Um, you know, you, this can be easily done by a Zoom calls, right? Um, so make sure you're talking with them on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Um, and then make sure that information is simply disseminated out to all the aspects of the organization so everyone can understand what those customers are going through. And then simply be agile. And I think that's one of the biggest things, right? Coming out of this, brands are going to have to realize that they weren't agile or nimble enough, right? Agile methodologies are going to be embraced at a much larger um, scale, um, both internally, right? You may have done one thing agile. You're going to do a lot more things in an agile format. And those that didn't understand agile are going to have to because there's no way to operate like you say. There's no way to pivot on a week-to-week basis if you're not following agile methodology. Did you know there are over 62 million decision makers on LinkedIn? Yeah, and even small and medium-sized businesses are making the most out of LinkedIn ads. They're using LinkedIn to get their voices heard and their messages to resonate with the audience. And it's not just about awareness either. LinkedIn ads are driving traffic and engagement. If you want to check it out, try for yourself. LinkedIn is offering a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first campaign. Simply visit linkedin.com slash duct tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. That's linkedin.com slash duct tape. So there's some terms and conditions that may apply, but I urge you to go check it out for yourself. All right, so what's going to stick? So in other words, a lot of people are doing things that they didn't used to do. They're innovating. They're trying new things. They're experimenting. Um, my guess is that some of these technologies that people used to think were still sort of cutting edge are now going to become every day. How's that going to change what we do? Yeah, so I, this is my prediction, right? So I, I just used the story of my father. Um, 2007, dad calls me. I'm in the office in front of my computer. Um, my dad's in Nashville. I'm in Atlanta. My dad needs me to look up the telephone number of a business in Atlanta, right? So he's expecting me to pull out the yellow pages and flip to this page to find the telephone number for him. And it's just 2007, right? So I've got the computer. I just Google the name of the business and the telephone number pops up. And I was like, dad, here's the number. And he goes, how did you do that so quickly? And I was like, well, I use Google. And his response was, what is Google? By the way, this is 2007. And I said, it's how, I just replied with dad, how do you find stuff online? And he says, I just do whatever I want dot com. I was like, so shoes.com? Because yeah, that's where I go to find shoes. And I was like, okay, all right. So anyways, fast forward last week, get a text message, group text message to me and my brother. 
boys would be so proud of me. I had FaceTimed into my Bible study group, right? So I, I think what we really need to be understanding of, it's not like what's going to stick. It's what do we need to focus on? And what we have to focus on is this concept that everyone is being brought up to a new baseline of understanding of what is possible, right? So if we look at our standard business process of what's your standard journey of a customer, right? Right now is the time where you better understand that and start removing any friction that you can and making sure it's optimized is, is all get out, right? Because now that my dad is going to be like sitting in the doctor's office and being, why do I have to be here? Why couldn't we have done this via a Zoom call, right? Um, so I mean, like, we really need to think about where this is going to take us. And right now, the experience is all that's going to matter after the fact, right? We've known this for a long time, um, but a lot of brands really didn't uh, take it into heart. They didn't really understand the extent of it. This really is just taking the entire world up to a new baseline of experience expectation. Yeah. And I think one of the unique things about, um, you know, I've had my business for 30 years. I've been through some ups and downs. And I think one of the unique things about this one is, is, is being universally experienced. I mean, everybody's going through this. And I think that that's, you know, the, the momentum that that's going to create coming out of this is, uh, is both a great opportunity and probably a little scary as well because, you know, it's, it's going to move quickly. So I have a lot of businesses that, and I think you've probably talked to a lot of businesses, sort of the, the, the knee jerk reaction is let's just contract, you know, let's just stop spending on marketing. You know, nobody wants to hear from us right now. Um, I think that's bad advice. And I, I wonder how you have sort of counseled or come across what people are doing that already had some marketing commitments maybe and and just don't know what to do now. Yeah. So from a large standpoint, right, the answer, like, so what has happened, let's just first off look at the data, right? About 39% of all ad spending is down. Um, so a lot of people just simply hit pause. And, and I think that's the right play for a lot of people, right? So let, let's take this in two ways. There's a pre and a post. There was a pre plan that you had, right? And you already had your advertising set and you already had your advertising. Yes. Hit pause on that. But does that mean you still do not need to communicate with your audience? The answer is resoundingly no, right? Now you must communicate with them. The answer is what strategy do you use and, and what do you communicate with them upon, right? And so there's a couple of basic things that you can think about, right? And it really kind of breaks down to if you can just do these six things or one of these six things right, with your audience right now, you'll probably be able to find some way to engage with them, right? And it's, it's the basics of, um, I just had a list in front of me. I don't know where that went. Um, see if I can't just rattle these off the top of my head, right? Support your community. Um, help them learn something. Entertain them. Um, and ah, there's a bunch of others. I wish I could find this list. Connect. Just connect. Yeah, just connect, right? I mean, um, yeah. you know, so teach, entertain, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there's a yeah. couple of basic things. As long as we're doing those things, we should be fine. Um, what we definitely obviously shouldn't be doing is hard selling. Um, so don't try to use your advertising to hard sell. Um, but you definitely need to stay in communication with your audience in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, one of the thing councils that we've been giving is that especially some cases where people had dollars committed, how could we divert that to something that made more sense? I, I'll give you an example. We had a small business that, um, that they took and went, it's a remodeling contractor and they took and they went out and bought, um, gift certificates from a bunch of local businesses, a bunch of local restaurants, and they're sending those to their prospects and, and clients, not because those people need a $25 gift certificate, because it was also, it was a first a way to support the local community, but also to send a message of, Hey, 
pass this on. You know, let's let's support the local community. And all they did was take some dollars they were going to spend in some advertising and 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 diverted it. And I think that's exactly right, man. Like if you're going to yeah, divert mass market to as personal as you can get with your customers and stakeholders. So let's move on beyond crisis mode. And uh, I'd love it. Uh, one of the things I had the benefit of uh, listeners don't know this, but I had the benefit of, of hearing you uh, give a presentation on, on your book uh, just, just today in another community that I was in. So uh, one of the words I really picked up on is this idea of a transcended idea of marketing. So when we come out of this, um, as we certainly will, you know, what, what, what what does that idea look like? Because I think you're I think you're um, I think you're suggesting that that's the new market. Yeah. So essentially, that's really kind of the, the underlying core thesis of the book is this idea that we have this idea of marketing, um, and we don't realize why we have this idea, right? And the way I break this down is to think about business strategy and, and marketing strategy as games, and they're games that we play, um, and we create these games given specific environments, right? So like. You know, when information was limited, it made sense to be top of mind because when someone's going to make a decision, they will rack their brains. But people don't rack their brains anymore, right? Do how many telephone numbers do we know? The answer is if you know one, it's your spouse, and you may not even know that one. Um, so it's not top of mind. Now it's you know share of journey. You know, so we, it's it's a massive shift. And when we kind of look at this from a large scale, you know, we talk about digital transformation for businesses. This is marketing transformation going right along with that, where we must move from, you know, essentially the department who creates messages to the owners and sustainers of all experiences. This means new leadership. This means new technology. This means a new creative focus. Um, and this means a new role and scope of what marketing is to the organization. You know, like you had your hourglass, you know, we we're talking about it's not just how do I get more people to buy the thing? It's where we look at growth from a radically different perspective, where marketing is about growing the business, not just about net new lead generation. Um, you know, and if you want to think about this from a mathematical standpoint, it's not hard. You know, if you just have four steps, let's just say there's four aspects, um, four stages or stops in the journey. And we just essentially increase the efficiency. We make them more efficient by one percent, meaning from one to two is one percent more from two to three, one percent more all the way down four steps. That's a 40% net lift on the back end. If we shift our focus to efficiency rather than creativity of how do I get more people's attention, right? So it's, it's, that's what we really mean about this transcended idea of marketing. And really, this is backed up by a lot of data. We didn't talk about any of the research that I've done. Um, but, it, you know, I work for a very large organization called Salesforce. And, and with the research team, I've looked at about 16,000 brands from across the globe over the past four years. And the number one key differentiator between high-performing marketing organizations and everyone else, and this is all sales scopes and sizes from all over the world, all different verticals, it's the same thing. It's They have executive buy-in to a new idea of marketing where they focus on experiences, uh, not messages. And I think the tough thing about that, like if you kept continued your math formula, you know, you'd get down to the bottom line. With that and, and, you know, doubling, you know, for example, one, a lot of people understand is we only convert 1% of our leads. Well, if you maybe just added 1% to that and you started converting 2% of your leads, uh, what that trickles down to the bottom is it doubles your profit basically. Um, and I think a lot of the, the challenge with the experiences is a lot of times people, people aren't able to say, we did this thing and it made us money. You know, but they are able to say, oh, we got the phone to ring or, or we got, you know, so many appointments. And, you know, how, how, 
I mean, I'm 100% bought in, 100 agree, agree with you, but how do you, how do you help people understand, you know, what the value of that efficiency or of that experience? And obviously it's going to take some data. Yeah. So there's a couple different ways to look at it. One is we can look at reporting on things differently, right? So if our metrics are tied to how many telephone calls, how many things that, that ring, we're going to be stuck to that, right? If we are able to shift and start looking at things differently, such as we are able to measure efficiency, such as if we're able to measure bottom line outcomes. We can then start to look at those things in a more holistic measure. Um, I mean, there's a whole chapter I wrote about, and and I don't know if it's, you know, for an SMB business, for a small business, I mean, really what you need to be thinking about is, does it have to be proven to be working, right? Like if your numbers are going in the right direction, that's really what we should be thinking about. This over-focusing of what is the ROI on that email? There is no ROI on an email. Unless there is a direct conversion of somebody to buy something from that email, there is no ROI because there is no cost to send it. There is no direct revenue tied to it. Why would we put this metric on it? Yeah, one of my favorite SMB metrics is how many referrals are you getting? That's a great because <laughs> it. I mean, that's a phenomenal metric. Yeah, it's pretty easy to identify and uh, it probably means something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly what you should be measuring. Right. And so then it's like, well, how do we increase that? Well, you need to make sure that you're asking people for referrals. I mean, I, this is a great story, but I was in um, and this is totally an SMB. It's a guy out of his garage running surfboards. And I'm down in Australia, get off the plane, want to go surf on Bondi. Go to I'll go online, try to find a place to rent boards. Um, I'm not like a pro surfer by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't want what we call a foam board, right? Which is essentially like the surfboard with training wheels, right? So I want a real surfboard. So find the only guy who rents them, and he's got like five star reviews. So I show up. By the way, it's it's out of his garage, so he's renting these things out of his garage. So I rent them. Um, we chat. And this guy's phenomenal. Uh, I drop the board back off. Next morning, I get a text message that says, hey, man, um, so good to meet you. Would you mind leaving a review in the link to where the place was? And I replied back with like, by the way, you know, I do marketing. This is phenomenal. He goes, yeah, this isn't automated. I just do this for every customer, right? It's like, that's where you put your time, right? And then you get that review uh, and then that just totally drives his business. So if I'm if I'm listening to this and I've, you know, I'm doing what feels like you know, I was supposed to do, I've got a website and I'm capturing a lead there and I'm sending them follow-up emails. I mean, what, what are, what are three or four areas that I need to really investigate right now? Uh, and so that I can change and become more about context. Yeah. First off, I'd say start with, do you understand the buyer's journey? Let's just start with that one, right? So like you understand that you need a website. That's great. You've got the basics check. Next, let's move on to say, do we know the buyer's journey, right? Set up interviews, um, sit down with people and don't, Push this off to a survey, right? Don't try to survey people because you just need to ask yourself, have you ever been like, you know what? That's the best survey I've ever filled out. The answer is no, it's a bad experience. And then the data that you get back is going to be reflective of that. Um, So sit down and actually have people and then ask them what they're thinking. Don't directly ask them. You need to, to tease these things out, but you need to figure out what they're thinking, feeling and doing in each one of those moments. Start there. Um, And then after that, it's now that you've got all those marketing things that you're doing, Follow up and ask people what they thought of them when they actually experienced them, right? Just because you're sending emails, right? And all you're probably looking at is did people open it or not? That's not the full story, right? So go to the people that did open it and ask them, did you get the value that you were seeking out of this experience? What was that value, right? And then make this a standard part of your business, right? Maybe this is a monthly review that you do these things. Maybe it's a quarterly Um, but you need to be reviewing these things. And if you don't, then you're possibly driving lots of people to a bad experience. And the definition of brand in the modern era is the sum of all experiences, right? 
So let's just go with that. Yeah. And how many, how many folks uh, created their autoresponder eight months ago and have no idea what it actually says? Uh, today, right? So, so what? I, I want to ask you one last question. This is kind of a tech question. Five years ago, this was hard to deliver. Big companies could do this, but small companies couldn't. How important is dynamic content now? So, in other words, if I've come and I've looked around your website, or I get this, do I need to be served different content? Is that is that become sort of table stakes? Oh yeah. Um, so it's very much table stakes. The concept is simple. Right. People are going at these lots of other places and understand what experiences are possible. When they come and interact with you, those same expectations come along. They don't care if you're a smaller business. They just know what's possible and that's what they want. Right. So we must make sure we are dynamic as possible. And this can be done in really simple ways. Right. You can have call outs that are dynamic. Um, you could go full scale and have a fully dynamic website. It really just depends on what your budget is. But just ask one basic question. If somebody is on a page on your website, you have to realize people are probably there for different reasons. Are you meeting them in that moment, right? So if you know that this person's in the early stage, are you showing content that's relevant to them at that point in time? Um, and so, I mean, the answer is yes, we have to have it um, to move forward. Yeah, and there's actually some WordPress plugins and things that'll do that. I mean, so yeah, I mean, like I said, five years ago, it was hard. Today, there's a lot of pretty simple, low-cost uh, solutions that can at least help you if you've got a couple different Segments, for example, can at least help you, you know, segment your content uh, at the most basic level. So, Matthew, where can people find out more about? Uh, obviously, um, they can find all they want at Salesforce.com, but where can they find out more about you and uh, um, the Context Marketing Revolution? Yeah, you can pick up the Context Marketing Revolution. Um, it's at the Harvard Bookstore, at the Amazon Bookstore, um, and then you can find more about me. I'm on LinkedIn, Matthew with one T, last name Sweezy, uh, as well as on Twitter at M Sweezy. If you read that really fast, it's Miss Sweezy. And uh, yeah, I got stuck with that one. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Matthew, the, thanks for uh, taking the time to stop by today and hopefully we'll see you out there on the road. Yeah, John. <laughs> 